And he manipulated this situation where he had a team of customs officers, border force, that could clear anything he wanted. A powerful, definitely powerful smuggling organisation in Europe, just for one reason, the price of products was so expensive here, right? That tells you the profit margin, 17,000 a kilo. So if you're taking that on a basis of 100 kilos, so now put down a figure of 1,000 kilos. If you get one of those a month, yeah. you've got figures. Let's try the containers that have been cleared. So the first one I went to, which was directed to the market, they broke the seal, opened the container, and half a ton of cocaine dropped out the back on them, didn't they? When we were all on remand, we got word that one of the actual officers who was leading the case was aware that we obviously had a lot of money, he was corrupt anyway, and agreed or put forward for half a million pounds would give us the PII. This jury goes out, they're out for the whole weekend, they're locked again, very dramatic. My fiance, she was outside of court, my friends are there, everyone's very tense, interviewing everybody, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Come Monday, bang. Not guilty. And it ain't just the lives of the people you destroy because there are thousands of victims out. It's the people that really care about you and you're supposed to love, you destroy them in the process. And that's real. Even though we were doing it for this bravado and this ego and this money trick. Spawn from prison cell in Belmarsh and I carried it through um, Whitemore, Coldingley, The Mount, Ford, um, Wandsworth, um, HFP 10 side prisons I went through. It was in me to carry that. And, you know, I got released. I, I, I formed it as a CIC. One year later, it became registered charity. Saying hotels paid with good intentions, and sometimes what they say, bad luck is worse than hobbier. Old Jamaican saying, sometimes you just are so close yet so far, and it hasn't happened. Uh, not during the event, after the event, not even connected to the event, that made me really go back to Jamaica again, mm. you know, and revert back to what I've been doing. But um, in terms of the sun splash, did the sun splash cost you a lot of money to put on though? Yeah, well, sun, sun splash was a huge event. As I said, it, it would come to over a million pounds to put on. Um, but it didn't have to cost that amount of money. It could have cost a lot less. But it was a question of, it was entangled with licensing rights. And it was entangled with problematic bad deals made over the years. And we weren't to untangle that stuff. So we become the best solicitors to basically go in there and try to un, you know, untie this, this mess that was chaos. 
And uh, along with doing that, we wanted to bring it into, into the 21st century, bring it into a brand status, you know. So we spent a lot of money in doing that. And we wanted a glamorous event. We didn't want to do an event that people sometimes pigeonhole as regular, regular events or urban music events. It was time to do something which was different. I remember we met, um, when we were preparing for it at Victoria Park, I remember, um, um, what's her name again, Kina. Kina King was it? yeah, she'd done MOBOs. She came down to... Um, uh, Victoria met us basically. She had a partner at the Andy Russell, who was a work goes to be a BMX champion, I think. And they were saying, Look, great event. We'd like to be looking at maybe doing, you know, an event and perhaps, you know, get involved with you to some degree. Maybe it was just tiny at the time, the second year they were doing it for. And we maybe discussed maybe putting on a Sunsplash Award and funding something like that. And every organisation that was there at the time knew how big what we had was so huge and just wanted to be part of it. And uh, I remember I thought, okay, we're going to make this one a big one. So we hired what was the main stage, what Glastonbury used, which was called the, um, the Oval, I think it was Oval Stage, yeah. It was the biggest stage had there. Premier Stage came after that from start higher. But we went backstage and we actually, um, we dropped tons upon tons upon tons upon tons of sand, white sand, and we created a beach backstage for the VIPs. And we had all the, you know, uh, jerk pans cooking, we had specialist chefs coming, catering, all free, you know. We had beach bars, we had everything humanly possible, palm trees, the whole lot. And set this oasis basically backstage, was madness. And um, it was basically, we put forward the best of the best, you know. It was what we called overkill, but in the festival's industry, it's a norm to lose money on the first year. You know, the game is lose money the first year, break it in the second, and make on the third, yeah. So the idea was to get it, you know, off the ground to do it and then benefit from sponsorship and the big deals that were there to be done after that. Because had we done it and continued to do it, it would have grown beyond Glastonbury. There's no doubt, you know, no doubt in my mind. Because it was bigger than Glastonbury going back when it first started, do you know what I mean? So it was a question of, you know... It was someone like you didn't do things by half measure. No, Christian, I've never done things by half measure. It's all or nothing. And that's the problem with me. So if I do something, I'm a very passionate person. When I do things, it's got to be to the extreme. Do you know what I mean? Hackney boy, we love hard, we live hard, we die hard. Do you know what I mean? That's how we are. And, you know, it was another um, example of that. You know, but unfortunately, incident happened after the event, which then me to go back to Jamaica, and I returned back to what I knew. Do you know what I mean? And I got back involved in the smuggling. And I guess the thing that you're going to be, you know, curious of was what happened in Spitfield's Market in 2004. Yeah, and it's just obviously, so at a certain point, you got involved in the cocaine, and um, obviously in a big, big way. Yeah. And I've heard you say, you mentioned you had this door-to-door thing where you had the customers paid off both sides so, so something that's of interest how do customers go about approaching you or how did you get in touch with them how, how did this come around okay so right understand the mechanics of this and people get really confused sometimes and right so back then um customs excise were a unit which were quite unique they had more power, power than the police and they were divided into units they were divided in a group called fast team which is the freight anti-smuggling border force and they also were divided into a team which called the Law Enforcement, which effectively became soccer and that NCA. So they were a collective unit which had power over the docks and effectively on land as well. While there's the other organisations like, you know, the police had National Crime Squad, things like that, which they were just obviously boots on, on, on the ground kind of thing, you know. Um, 
and we got a door, we got a maddest window in the world. Someone that had, uh, was specially trained in the SAS, had um, started to work for um, the police in terms of surveillance, um, because a lot of these guys are trained well and they're given surveillance jobs with, I think it's CDO departments. And um, he started to work for anti-corruption, you know, he worked for anti-corruption. And after that, he was given a job in an elite unit, basically, which customs had created as anti-corruption to seek out corruption. He somehow managed to get his way in a position that he could identify what was going on in terms of corruption, and then confronted them and said, look, you know, I've got your bank to rights. You're going to come and work for me. And he manipulated this situation where he had a team of customs officers, border force, that could clear anything he wanted. Because the system is quite primitive. I think it's changed now. Maybe changed, maybe it stays the same. But all the container really, how a container goes into this country and checks need on it, was simply once a container leaves the country of origin, once a container number is allocated to that seal, at some point, um, when it's travelling international waters, customs and excise here could have put a, a tag on it. So they could say there's interest in that box. And what happened is it would basically safeguard it from um, border force, um, you know, um, coast guard, all those kind of things until it arrives here. And if it arrives here, when now basically the ship is undocked and containers now being removed, it then is drawn away for inspection because it's an interest is shown in it. And then when it goes, what they call the first point is X-ray. So X-ray back then consisted of a lorry, which would travel along the said container. Something on top of it called a boom arm would go travel from the top of the container, from the front of the center to the back of the container, which would have an X-ray of what was inside there. You'd see different colors and different textures. One guy sits in the back of it on a computer screen, and then he would say, oh, there's something in there. Stop, take a photograph, unpack the container, and then you know, inspect it. But having a team that could access the computer by showing interest into it meant the container was protected in the water, sent to the x-ray, where a team of, I think, three people, the driver who stays in the vehicle, the guy that sits in the back on the on the um, computer, and one guy stands outside to make sure it's perfectly poised and it's not unbalanced on a curve or anything like that, could have a container full of whatever they, you wanted, sit in the back of the container, all be involved in it, see there's clearly something wrong in there, and just turn and say, it's fine, it's cleared. Mm. And once that X-ray certificate is signed off, it goes in a cleared part of the wolf, and you don't have to collect it. So obviously the um, lorry head goes up there, the um, bill of laden manifesto is given to the person at the security gate, and it's driven out, clean as a whistle. We had that facility. You know, and, and you must have become the most powerful weapon from the world. I think it was the most powerful, definitely the powerfulest smuggling organization in Europe, just for one reason the price of products was so expensive here. So, those things doing, you know, Holland, Belgium, very common, you know, here not so common, you know, and um, it was a route straight in. The beautiful thing being, it was any country in the world. So, any given country you wanted to do it from, you could do it. And, you know, the dock receives ships from everywhere. Yeah. And um, so, at this point here, were you dealing directly with the Colombians or were you dealing with Jamaicans who were dealing with Colombians? Let's put it At this time, we had an incredible, I had a credible, incredible, incredible links into the Eastern Caribbean cartel. Now, that how that looks, it was a Caribbean based cartel, but it, it, it connects directly with the South American cartels, you know. 
Um, so you've got offshoots. You've got places like obviously you've got Colombia, you did drop down. You've got from the you know the down side. You've got Peru, you've got Bolivia, and then you've got across to that where you drop down. You have Suriname, you have Venezuela, you have Guyana. So you've got this whole pitch with no land borders. So if you can look at that as we had contact with two people of great influence and great power based in those regions, okay? So I call it cartel, whatever, you know, name you want to put on it, basically. Mm. We had access to what we wanted as much as we wanted when we wanted it and access to get it safely from any of those particular, you know, docks, walls or airports, yes. you know? And let's just put it like this without getting too um, drawn into it, okay? Um, we had that facility. That facility worked for us and we'd done it as many times as we wanted when we wanted it. What sadly happened, or sadly happened, what happened um, was one of the people with our little network here, he decided he was going to um, not be happy with what we had, but start talking to everyone else who were interested in, you know, what they could do. And they, one of the groups he was talking to was under police surveillance or surveillance from, you know, what was local police, what was a drug squad, the middle market. Um, they were investigating something else. That his phones was tapped, which led to a series of phone taps, you know, internally for us. Um, they overheard on a particular phone tap that um, that um, a shipment basically was coming in and had been cleared. But of course, they were, had their eyes on a different shipment, so they couldn't figure out quite why that would happen. Anyway, um, customs and excise were looking at other things, especially the unit. They trod over the police, basically, in their investigation and took charge of that investigation. And then they proceeded to go to the wharf, where they went to the wharf. Now, they were in two units from the customs then. There was customs, which is now border force, and there was um, customs, law um, enforcement, which is now soccer NCO. So they were the same body. They weren't two different bodies. So when they turned up, at the wolf, they started searching containers which weren't cleared. There was nothing found on any of those. Then one of the senior officers, given the conversations we had, just thought, let's try the containers that have been cleared. So the first one they went to, which was directed at the market, they broke the seal, opened the container, and half a ton of cocaine dropped out the back on them. Do you know what I mean? And obviously their instance was, well, it's impossible. They couldn't have got through an X-ray. So, of course, they went and they checked the x-ray, the x-ray had been cleared. So, now they were stuck. They were in a dilemma because you've got your colleagues who you now know have definitely cleared that and there's no explanation out of that. And you've got these criminals who you really want to get. So, there's your balancing. So, what do you do? Do you arrest the customs and then lose the case with the criminals? Or do you go to your colleagues and go, right, we have to clear together now and this is what you do. Keep shut. Don't let them know that it's been discovered, otherwise you all go to jail, and bring them in. And that's what they've done, they fabricated it, that's the way it always and create, create the trap. Since then, because so, I was thinking when I was listening to this, how rare it is that the customs people come up in the stuff, and it's always... That's right, of course. Yeah. So, elaborate trap was created, we walked straight into it, and that was it, bang. Yes, so it was, <laughs> um, Real quickly before that, so you know, at the point where you had this door open, yeah. then there must have been, obviously don't want you to talk about specifics when you're yeah. yourself, but obviously it goes without saying that 
there's not going to, you're going to be sending as much through as physically possible. So there's tons and tons going to send. Yeah, through. tons and tons and tons, literally. You know, um, if you understand, you know, the production rate, you know, of herbal cannabis and cocaine. You know, it's what we the global report is is fraction to what's really being done because they estimate it based on shipment seizures. But just imagine, just imagine um, when shipments of that size are being cleared and there's no never, never getting caught. You know, and they say it's crop production and they've got ways of telling. They haven't got the first bloody clue to me and you. So yeah, so it was a very lucrative business. You know, um, which seems to grew very quickly. And continues to grow. Yeah, and so um, when I previously interviewed Stephen Mee, and he said that when he was working with the Colombians, so say uh, 500 kilos got sent across, he'd have mm -hmm. to pay all the transport, the customs costs, or him and Curtis would, and then they would get half the load when it got here. Were you doing something like that? Were you buying right. it? So, no. So, how it work is like this, basically, right? That's a typical, that would be a typical deal, and sometimes it would be different because sometimes you'd have a deal. In um, in uh, in Colombia, because the price of the product, powder, cocaine powder, it could be there's give it is 60, 40. So the Colombians say they're going to produce the powder, they're going to put it on the container, give it a safe um, passage, and then you're going to receive 40% uh, of it down here. Yep. And that's a straightforward deal. And that's usually as you know, it, it's, it's done with companies. And as I said, where it's concealed in things, like you know, in their case, it was. Um, it was lead, um, lead ingots, yeah, right, okay. And other, other transport, which is good transport, but it's not it's not foolproof or bulletproof. Now, well, if they, you... They lost a lot, because to speak of it, they obviously got busted for the 400 key and then the other thing, they lost another four and a half tonne, which supposedly is, in this... Which is, actually, which is actually nothing in a big scheme of things. Yeah, and that's, what, and right. that's what shocks people. Yeah. It's actually a very, very, very small quantity. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a smaller man. You know, you don't see more than usually you would find here, you know, three and a half, four tons they'd put together and put on. But, you know, you know, real cartels, they kind of put together, like, I mean, like 20, 30 tons, mm. you know, make shipments into the States and across. There's so much now that Mexicans control it really now. But, yeah. you know, these are the kind of quantities that, 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 that are passed through, through the wolves every day. Yes. But, um, so yeah. at, the, at the height of all this, um, obviously, again, about incriminating mm -hmm. yourself, how much money might you be making uh, a week, a month? Well, let's put it like this, right? Um, it was quite funny because um, a figure was put forward, okay, and a number was put forward, right? Now, a figure was put forward by the, um, the customs that the shipment that was seized was valued at £100 million. Pounds. Let's be realistic. I don't know what kind of value they put on those drugs, but whatever drugs it was, we're not selling drugs. Yeah. I'd love to have got that kind of money for them. But the so let's even take a realistic figure. So, so 500 at that time, wholesale, so, 20 grand a kilo at that time? So let's, well, how it works is like this, okay. We used to wholesale, well, allegedly we wholesaled cocaine at 22,000 a kilo, yeah. right? Which some people were charged in 2830. Yeah, right? Imagine right? But I'll give you an idea of the game, right? So. First of all, you asked what kind of deal would you have with the Colombians with a deal like that. If you've got customs officers and you're going guaranteed door, you're actually in control. So you could have a deal where it's 70 30 in your favour. Yep. So they put 100 keys, every 100 keys they put on, they get back 30. Cool. You take 70, right? Because of the facility you hold at the same Yeah, yeah look, see, right? like I said, with those guys, they were losing most of it. Correct, right? Okay, when you know you're getting it because it's guaranteed to receive. 
it's a different game, yeah. right? So if you're talking about price of product, let's just say some borders now. You can do your own maths. I'm not going to give you maths. You do maths. Yeah. So back then, all right, so in Colombia, okay, where leaf, the procurement of leaves worked out to about $600, $700 a kilo in leaves, all right? By the time you process and you put things together, you could conservatively buy $1,500 a kilo, all right? That's when it comes straight from what they call factory. So you could conservatively buy cocaine, right? In its raw form, as I said, leaf, um, you know, grain, $600 in its complete process, landed uh, on the border of, you know, uh, Venezuela, $3,000 a kilo, okay? So you could have cocaine, right, um, effectively shipped, right, and purchased, and coming out of a, 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 a port, let's say, in South America, for approximately... No more than, no more than four to five thousand dollars a kilo, and it's absolutely top money, right? Now, by the time you pay your transport costs here and you've covered everything else in, you're paying about four and a half thousand pounds a kilo, okay? That's landing in this country. So, if you're wholesaling at 22 yeah, and you're getting in, say, five thousand, worst case scenario, paying your tenants and your soldiers, right? That tells you the profit margin, 17,000 a key. Jesus. So if you're taking then on the basis of 